Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution, a show dedicated to helping you actually live the life that you love. I'm your host, Amrit Sandhu, international speaker, global coach, and loving podcaster. As a gift for tuning into this podcast, I have something really special just for you. My premium short course, which can teach you how to meditate in just seven days. You can download it now at www.inspiredevolution.com forward slash learn. That's www.inspiredevolution.com forward slash learn. Learn how to meditate in just seven days. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this powerfully insightful conversation. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the latest episodes launching every Monday designed to help you live the life you love and keep you inspired to evolve. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. It is a... What is it? You know it. It's a treat to be here today. We have with us Tracy Cop. Tracy, how are you, Sister Bear? I'm well, thank you, Amrit. How are you? <laughs> I'm really good. I'm really good. For those tuning in to Tracy for the first time, she is the founder of The Urban Alchemist here in Melbourne. And we go way back. It feels way back, doesn't it, Tracy? Yeah, I think it's been some years now, Amrit. It's been quite a while. It's been quite a while. Yeah. And just for those tuning in, just so you know, Tracy is actually one of my wife's favourite people alive. So it's a real treasure and a real pleasure to have you here, Tracy. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> so I wanted to tune in. There was a point where you reached out and said, hey, Amrit, let's do a podcast episode. Um, I'm raring to go and I want to have this conversation. I'm at a point in my journey where sharing what's present for me would be really helpful 
for my process. And I was like, dude, this sounds really epic. For those that are tuning in, Tracy, I'm just going to start calling you Trixie because that's what I know you as. <laughs> it's just going to be way easier. Um, affectionately known as Trixie. But for those that walk into the Urban Alchemist um, and you start having these chats, you start to realize that Trix doesn't really do surface, right? Like it's always heaps of fun, but she dives all the way in super deep. And some of the conversations that I've had with you have had some of the most like impactful, like long lasting impacts on my life as well coming in and literally she's there cracking up, cracking my back, but we're actually, we're talking about things that actually, you know, internally um, leave, I was going to say a bit of a fissure sometimes. (laughs) Um, But yeah, they leave, they leave a lasting impact. And when you reached out and said, actually, you know, there's something that I want to share. I was all ears and I'm really excited to be here and part of this conversation because yeah I know how much just being able to share can also move and shift energy I don't know how much you're aware of that as well and just that you felt called and I feel honored to have you here and on this um on this episode to to share yourself today so what was like what was the impetus for for bringing you um that brought you to that point and yeah reaching out to say hey I want to share something uh-huh. So uh, I've been doing a lot of work over the last few years Mm. on me Mm. and uh, on looking at parts of my life that have been very challenging for me Mm. and really facing up to some of the the harder things and the things that have been really stuck uh, in my Mm. body and in my heart, I guess, Um, things that have been very difficult to look at. And I feel like I'm kind of out the other side of that fairly well by now. But, you know, in my practice uh, in in the Urban Alchemist and with the clients that we have, I notice that there's a similarity in a lot of people where we're Mm. afraid to look at certain aspects of our lives that feel too hard to look at. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to share some of what I've learned because I feel like the the sharing and the um, exploring this stuff out loud with other people can be of benefit for me as well as for the other people. I love the grace that you have in that as well, just knowing that, you know, as we make ourselves vulnerable, we give other people permission to shift and heal the things that are stuck for them. Yeah. And that's one of the things that um, I think is potentially one of the most endearing things about you is that you're not afraid to say what's on your heart and what's on your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we all find it super endearing. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's really fun. So, you know, we were talking and this today is, I feel like what we're talking about is not as, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of humor in this episode, but, um, but yeah, I think when we, when we touched base, it was like, you know, I've been on a massive journey with, with motherhood. Um, and it's, it's fascinating to, yeah, to me to just be present to, you know, you as a mother because you're just so full of life that I forget that you're a mother at times as well. Um, and I just, yeah, Those things I, aren't mutually exclusive, Amber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <Sorry. this> is, <laughs> that's Trixie just reminding me. <laughs> totally agreed. Totally agreed. Thank you for that wonderful reminder. Um, but, yeah, there is that perception, right, that people have. It's like when you're a mother, it's like now you're like, got a different a weird kind of kilter with responsibility you're not allowed to have joy and this sort of stuff and maybe that's just me stereotyping it so pardon me for that and thank you for calling it out 
how has your journey as a mother been? Where did you want to start us off at? You know, yeah. Um, it's been a roller coaster being mm. a mum for me. Um, I guess maybe we start at the beginning. Mm. I, I yeah, I guess I'll tell you about when I when I had my daughter. I was twenty one, mm. and. My mum had me when she was 21 and mm. I had my daughter when I was 21 and it was a wonderful accidental pregnancy and I was with her dad for a short time beforehand and we decided that we would just go for it and uh, it was so beautiful, you know, and it was so lovely to be young and full of life and energy and, um, you know, I, I guess I was a really fun mum when she was little. Uh, mm. I had lots of energy for her, lots of space for her. She was such a beautiful little being. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it was such a such a joy to be um, in that role, I guess, at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Beautiful. And from there then you've subsequently been on a like a massive journey where you've learned a lot from each other. What were some of the biggest things mm-hmm. that your daughter's taught you about you? Oh, it's a good question. Um, she's taught me what a massive jerk I am. That's probably the... Dude. The, yeah. You know this goes out um, live, Trixie. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing. I mean, she's... I've learned so much from her. Um, I've, I've really... You know, she, of all the people in my life, she has made me really look deeply at myself and it's some of the ways that I I trick myself and the ways that my shadow really plays out, you know, ways that I, I tell a story in a certain way when actually the reality is quite different than that. Mm. Yeah. And so what I'm hearing is she holds a, a mirror of integrity up for you. Do you think that's the nature of um, your, particular, your particular kid or do you think that's children in general? Mm. I suspect it's children in general. I really can't speak for anybody else and their relationship with their child, but my child is definitely, uh, you know, she hasn't fallen far from the tree and I'm pretty good at looking at um, other people and really seeing maybe what's there Mm. and whether I speak it or not is Mm. one thing, you know, in those other relationships, but the closeness of the relationship that we have because for most of the years we've been, it's just been the two of us mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, she she's, she's really good at calling me out and pointing out where I am not in integrity. Mm. How, this is a silly question almost, but I have to ask it, how was it yeah. um, raising your daughter on your own? <sighs> Uh, some ways good, some ways bad. Um, mm. So her dad has always been around. Mm-hmm. Um, her dad and I separated when she was eight. Yep. And the, the I guess, the path that we took then, both of us, because we were young and quite stupid really, uh, and we, we didn't know how to hold ourselves. We didn't have a whole lot of self-awareness. Um, and so the two of us really didn't co-parent well at all Mm. by any stretch of the imagination and so i be really languished in this no man's land of um 
difficult relationship between the two of us and she was just kind of stuck there, uh, you know, hoping that someone was going to be present for her and useful to her and on her team and, you know, we both really let her down for a long time. So, you know, for me, she was pretty much with me for for most of the years since that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's been loads of things in my life that I haven't handled well for all mm. the same reasons, just not having self-awareness, not being present to myself and therefore not being able to be present to her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the way that that's played out has been that there's been for many years a massive rift in our relationship and, and the way that we're related to one another. When did you first become aware that that was happening? Like, you know, because at some point, I'm, I like, you know, when you, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, sorry, let me just give you that a bit of context. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, like I think about the frog metaphor, like, you know, if the temperature's rising and the frog's in the pot, and it's rising, it's rising, the frog doesn't notice that it's boiling and literally you end up boiling the frog. Um, but if you put the frog into the boiling hot water, it can feel because it's coming out of neutral, like uh, ambient temperature into hot temperature, it just jumps out, um, which I always find, you know, like really interesting. And I think relationships is one of those places where, you know, you're in them and you're in this sea of the relationship and you're charting these waters together that oftentimes you don't really notice when things happen. Um when did, like, what was the impetus for you to realise actually things aren't working and there's a bit of a rift growing? Like, you know, was it too little too late or was it something that, you know, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think probably it was too little too late um, was was really the way that it happened. She, she was really struggling with all of that early on, early in the mm. picture, uh, probably between about eight and... 13 or 14, um, I just went through the motions of being a mum and I was so consumed by my own difficulties and challenge with the relationship that I had with her dad and and Mm. how challenging that was because we weren't together at that time Mm. and there was a lot of animosity between us Mm. and I was so overwhelmed by this sense of anger and despair and grief and um, rage, really, you know, all of these things that I I kept feeling like this shouldn't be happening and, you know, um, I, I felt unable to hold those feelings for myself. And then the other thing that was happening for me at that time is that um, I guess partly in order to maybe not in order to, but partly um, as a way of of feeling something else, I brought in another partner who was able to really care for me and love me through that. Mm. So, you know, I felt like I was able to then get my emotional needs met. But where I really failed as a mum through that period was that I didn't then take the time to look at what my child needed and to be more present for her. You know, I just kind of didn't notice. I was so busy Mm. with my own pain. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So there was quite a bit of time where, you know, I just, if, if I'm really honest, I probably ignored her needs. I pushed them away. I acted as though what she needed was trivial or um, uh, not, not important um, and you know, that really over a period of many years that really told her a story about her value to me. Mm. And so to answer your question about where I where I noticed that this was becoming a real problem was um, when she, she was in high school and she had quite a bit of trauma in high school with relationships with peers and um, you know, lots of challenges, as people do in high school. And, you know, not unlike other kids, she started to act out at school and at home and didn't want to be at school. She became really disengaged. She became very um, oppositional. There were a lot of challenges between us. And I remember a period there where, you know, we would fight and we would just fight and fight and it would never end. And there was screaming and shouting and throwing things and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, she would sometimes, you know, it would be 11 o'clock at night and she would be 14 maybe and pick up a bag and just leave the house and be gone. Mm. And, you know, as a mum, I guess that was the point where I would kind of freak out and, you know, say, what do I do now? How do mm. I fix this? Mm. And how do you fix those situations? What's well, it? That's the, the eternal question, isn't it, as a parent? How do you fix it? Mm. Um, yeah, so, so I sat in that for a long time um, and there was, there was lots of, of back and forth, lots of visiting psychologists, me visiting psychologists, sending her off to psychologists, talking to everybody I could possibly talk to to try to get a sense of what was going on. And, um, I mean, you know, the more people you ask, the more opinions you get. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. there was, there was no clarity for me at that mm. time. Mm. And then, what helps you come out to the other side with clarity? Because even as you're sharing, and even for those tuning in, I'm sure that they're aware that what you're sharing, you're not sharing lightly. And it's quite mm. profound that you're able to share so openly what you're sharing. So it feels like there's been 
tools that have supported you resolve a lot of this a lot of this stuff um i don't feel like i'm demeaning it by just calling it stuff so pardon me for that if that's the energy of what it came out as sorry yeah (laughs) Um, but you know what i mean like yeah um, yeah yeah Yeah. what were some of the tools or like you know how how do you find yourself where you are now able to talk about it without the energetic charges around it Mm. So I guess, um, you know, throughout that period, it felt insurmountable. It felt impossible. And, you know, I see clients now really often in the throes of this kind of turmoil and um, difficulty in their own families with kids Mm -hmm. and um, other people in their lives. And, you know, my heart really goes out to people when I hear that because I, I know what it feels like to feel like this situation is impossible. There's just Mm -hmm. nothing that I can do that's going to repair this, you know. Um, And, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess, like, for me to gloss over it and call it stuff as well feels a bit dishonouring of um, what, what, uh, yeah, if I'm really honest, what I put her through. And so probably the, the, the one thing that I could say is that I, I reached a point in my life where I felt it was necessary to really have a good look inside of me because for all of this time, you know, it's been, there was for all of the, the time where things were difficult between us, it was so easy for me to blame her or blame her dad or blame mm. society, blame the kids at school, blame the teachers, blame everybody else for all of the difficulties that we were having. And I think at no point during so that period. It's natural to do, though. It's what we all do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go on. Sorry, yeah, I interrupted it's, you. It, no, it's fine. It's it's hard to look inside ourselves, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, there came a mm. point in my life where I really had to sit and face some of what I have done and how I am responsible for this difficulty that's happened. And that has been the defining moment. It's been a protracted moment, but, you know, mm. the, the defining shift for Ivy and I has been yeah, in, in me actually being able to really look at myself, being willing to look at myself and own my part. What have you had to own, Trix? Ooh. Big question, Amrit. <laughs> uh, Love you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, and this is what I want to share, I guess, mm. because this is really the guts of it. You know, it's so easy to call it stuff. Mm. Um, so in my, in, you know, I, I touched on it before, but in my own pain, in the, the breaking up of our family and in the end of my relationship, I was so unhappy, uh, there and I, I acted out and I, I made it all about me and, you know, my, I guess what that did to her was to tell her that whatever was going on for her wasn't important. Uh, you know, what's happening for mum is the only thing that matters and, you know, mum's all about mum, so there was no mm-hmm. space for her. 
to have a problem or a difficulty or a challenge, you know. And, um, you know, there were plenty of times, like for all kids and teenagers, where she would come to me and say, I need you, and I just wasn't there. Uh, you know, physically I was there, but emotionally I just I wasn't there. I wasn't available. I went through the motions of putting the food on the table, um, uh, you know, paying for the things that needed to be paid for at school. Sometimes I barely managed that. Um, and, you know, for her, it felt like a real dismissal of her, herself as a human. How is that reflected in your own journey with yourself? And I ask from that place, Trix, where I've started to come to realise about certain things myself at the moment. Um, say if, like, you and I are talking right now, yeah, and mm. you get up and leave and you go tend to something. And in my mind it's like, oh, okay, all right, she probably had something important to do and off she went, you know, and she started tending to that more important thing. And I rationalize it. I'm really good. As you know, I'm a coach, you know, we work together and like, I'm really good at coaching myself as well, you know, so I can sit there and just go, actually, all good. Like, um, you know, something important must have happened. And it's just a quick dialogue with the, with the rational self. And it goes, yep, she'll be back. And then we can pick up the conversation when we left off. But when I check in with my emotional body or like my inner self, yeah. you know, this kind of inner child, if you will, when I check in with my, that, little version of me I check in and I'm like how did that feel because that's where I had to that's the person I ended up having to talk to because the reason I was convincing myself that it's all good is because some part of me didn't feel okay so then I check in with that part and it's like oh you feel like that's not important you're not important and something must have been more important and you're like ah oh, so you feel like shit and it's like yeah actually I, I don't feel so good and it's like ah. Oh, and then my inclination still remains to be like, actually, you know what? It's okay. Like she's got something, she was busy. and some, mm -hmm. But again, when I say she was busy, she had something more important to do. What I've communicated down to my inner child is basically just, oh, you're not that important. What she's tending to is more important than you. And not saying that you've ever done this to me, is <laughs> an example. Um, and so I started to realise that... As I'm having these moments day to day, day to day, where I'm just convincing myself and rationalizing my situation, I'm dishonoring kind of how I feel internally mm. and this inner child in me that actually just, it doesn't like, and the, the, the truth is I just, all it needs from me is just go, oh, she left. That sucks. Yeah, it does. You feel like it sucks, huh? Yeah, it does. Okay. And just to sit with it and just not say anything about it, just to sit there and be present to it and just be like, okay. And then eventually it'll shift anyway because it's like, oh, well, at least you've yeah. got my back. And, it, and it'll just move. But one of the things that I've started to realise, and this is by no means a blame game, because as we said before, it doesn't serve us at all in any way. Mm -hmm. um, but I started, I started to realise that actually that was probably programmed in, right, and by probably being kind, 
Um, by the way, my parents were parented and my parents parented me, right? It was just like, actually, it's okay that, you know, this is happening, you know, because they don't want you to feel upset. So they've rationalized with their adult mind the scenario and the situation for you. What they don't do is get down on a knee and sort of go, how are you feeling because that happened? Because in their mind, it's trivial, mm-hmm. right? Um, but then we carry that same patterning on, right, is what I'm hearing from you. And potentially yeah. that that, you know, what you said was, you know, you're basically realising that you're having to look in and sort of reprogram and reshift some of these things. Mm-hmm. My question was going to be, and if I didn't give all this context, it would have sounded like a really rough question, so I answered the context, <laughs> is, uh, is how, how much, um, how much, yeah, how much do you now identify that, like, it's, you know, the work that you had to do on yourself, like, you know, that she that she was holding space for you to do, basically, like, you know, all this stuff that she's present, like, she presented in your field was mm. a matter of you having to have to look at going, actually, there's some unprocessed stuff here that I've got to look at, like, that realisation and, and that stuff. Like, can you talk to us about that process? Yeah. Yeah, about a million percent that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and you know, I've I'm I'm a delver. You know, I like to look into myself, and I like to understand myself. And I've always been, you know, I've been mm. um, seeing a psychotherapist since forever. And mm. you know, I I realized at some point that you know I'd go in there and I'd chit chat with my therapist every week and talk about the things and. You know, I really thought all through my 20s and my early 30s that I was, I was getting it. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm doing the work. But I guess there came a point with my relationship with Ivy where, you know, if I, I, I kind of realised that if I was going to be really, really deeply honest with myself, you know, and really uh, on a the pain in me and, and, you know, what's the patterns that, that need to be moved and to really see mm. them. I needed to actually own things that felt terrifying to own, mm. absolutely terrifying. Um, and I guess, you know, for me, that's when the work really started. Mm. Yeah. So. And how do you go about firstly identifying the things? And then secondly, how do you honour them and and treat them? Hmm. Well, uh, hmm. okay, yeah, this is really interesting. So so, um, I guess uh, what I should say is um, I had a lot of anxiety when I was in my 20s and probably a bit of depression as well, uh, and I would self-harm in some interesting and um, creative ways. Mm. And, uh, you know, I sort of, I I spent all this time in therapy, but, uh, you know, I'd, I'd look at all of that and, and always my story was somehow that those things were someone else's fault, you know. So I'd go into therapy and I'd, I'd talk about those things and I'd constantly just tell this story to my therapist and over and over to myself and to other people who I was speaking with as if the way that I was behaving and the way that I was handling my emotions and managing my life was 
somehow the product of outside circumstances that I couldn't control. And mm. this was the story that I had going on for years, you know, and and I, I, I was doing the work. I was doing my best to do the work, you know. Mm-hmm. There was no part of me that was, that was, hmm, that's not true. I was going to say there was no part of me that was trying to avoid it, but, of course, there was a part of me that was trying to avoid it or I would have got there earlier. Dang it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, I, I would say I come from a family where, you know, both my mum and dad's side where having any kind of emotional catharsis, you know, any sort of actually in a way any sort of emotion that isn't just being happy and acting like everything's all good mm. was not welcome, just not welcome. And, you know, when I, when I look at my, my parents, um, you know, they're in their 60s now and it's very interesting because, my brother has recently had a big trauma in his life also and I believe now from watching my brother and I process some of this stuff more honestly mm. and really feel our pain and sit with it and be in it and not try to just blame someone else for it and push it away as if, you know, that's not the issue. The issue is someone else did this thing to me, you know, mm. as we've been able to actually gather ourselves, both of us, and, and really sit in that. I'm noticing my parents starting to feel more comfortable to sit with what's in them. And that's the thing I've never seen modelled to me as a, as a kid. And, you know, I know they hadn't seen it modelled to them as kids either. It was definitely not something that was welcome in their families. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Mm. Trish, what's your, what's your vision for, like, intergenerational healing? Like, I know that's mm. a big word, but I know, you know, for those that know tricks, you know, she's meditated on this. <laughs> so, yeah. What's your vision for intergenerational healing? Yeah. So I believe that the that healing between generations can happen in either direction. Mm-hmm. And I really know from my own experience, I mean, I really feel it in me, that the more I'm prepared to own what's here for me right mm-hmm. now and look at the ways that I've dishonoured my mum and the ways that I've dishonoured my daughter, I feel like all I can do is work with me, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the more work that I do to face that, the more the women and the, the family members on either side of that are able to benefit from the work that I'm doing. So, you know, it's, it's all, you know, in, in my past, in my earlier times, I used to, you know, call my mum. I would call my mum regularly and, mm. you know, complain to her and yell at her and be angry with her about, you know, why aren't you more this or that or present or why didn't you love me better or why didn't you care for me in a different way? And I had all of these complaints for my mum. And 
you know, now what I realise is the best way that I can heal that pain that I have, you know, that I, I felt then like I'd received as a wound from my mum mm. is to heal me and to work on me and to be with, to actually, as you say, you know, talk to my inner child and talk to the part of me that feels dismissed or mm. like I've been a burden or like I've um, not been loved in the way that might have felt meaningful to me, you know, and if I can learn to face that part of myself and bring her out into the light and give her a little snuggle, you know, um, then I'm able to hold so much more. And when my my mum sees me do that, I think it makes it safe for her because she doesn't feel to blame and she doesn't feel like I'm, uh, oh, I wouldn't say she doesn't feel to blame. Maybe I imagine that it makes it a safer place for her to look at her stuff, you know, mm. um, which wasn't, I guess, a thing that, people in her generation really had as a as a a thing that was held in much esteem you know so so I feel like by doing my work I make it safer for my mum to do her work and by doing my work I I'm showing my daughter that I'm showing up for her and I can only imagine that by the time if she is crazy enough to have children um that you know by by modeling to her like hey you know what things can be really bad and you can do a really bad job at a relationship and at some point you can decide to show up and you can just do that any moment you're ready you can show up for that and I feel like if I'm able to model that for her then I'm really offering her this gift that she can then pass on to her children and I I hope that, you know, that will be passed all the way down through my line of future ancestors. Mm. Yeah. How much... Um, uh, I just got to do ask you this question. <laughs> like this question, I already have. I know you, so. But anyway, I just got to go there with it. Um, how much more meaning and purpose did you bring to your healing when it wasn't just about you anymore? That's a really lovely question. Uh, it took me a long time to get to that. Mm. And uh, wow, like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's been exponential. Um, like, incredibly so, you know, and for me to see. I mean, I see it, like I see it on every level, you know, when my daughter sees me shift. Every single time she sees me shift, she shifts 
And when I see it, it just brings me so much joy and gratitude for what is possible. And, um, you know, it really inspires me to keep going and it inspires me to dig deeper, you know. And, and I'm re- that's been the process that I've been on with her, I guess. You know, if I really can, can speak about what that's looked like, you know, at first... I started to face maybe it isn't her, you know, maybe she's not this difficult person that just always wants to say no and yell in my face, you know. Maybe maybe some of the things that I've done and the ways that I've behaved have actually really hurt her. And that, you know, at the start, it was so hard to look at. And so, you know, I was still so consumed with my own pain still, you know, I still, um, in that place, I could, I could face at the start a little bit of, um, you know, maybe I should try and not yell so much. Maybe I should stop throwing things, you know, maybe, uh, hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was a diabolical mother when she was young. I, I've hit her. I've hurt her. I've chased her around the house. Like, you know, I've, I've really, I mean, I was physically abusive in a pretty monumental way toward my daughter. I was not an easy parent for her to have. And when I started to look at this, you know, I'd look at just small things that were coming up in that moment and think, oh, you know, maybe maybe I shouldn't have shouted so loud. Maybe I shouldn't have told my friend in front of her what a jerk she was, you know. Maybe I shouldn't have been so righteous. And it would be just these little things that that were very painful for me to face, but I could I could see them and I'd, I could name them. And I'd go, oh, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe I need to deal with that. And then the more I looked at it, you know, and, and the more I was able to sit with it, and it started just with little things, and I would consider it more, and I would take it to my therapist, and I would work hard to own these small things. And it was the consistency of really facing them, you know, not looking at one thing and going, oh, that's too hard and running away from it. It was a real commitment to, okay, so next time we have a a discussion about this, what if I handle it in a different way? And I'd just try it with one little thing and I'd see, you know, just a glimmer, just something tiny. And it wasn't necessarily Mm. in her, you know, she... She, for a very long time, would still respond to me with real anger and Challenge. defensiveness because, mm. you know, what I had brought to her for so long was so painful. Of course, she was expecting me to turn back on her like a snake and mm. bite her. And that must be challenging as well, right, because then yeah. the inclination yeah. is like you're creating the shift within you but then the other, uh, the other person already knows you a certain way and then almost you're trying to shift but then the other person almost responds to you like you're still that same old person and yet you've got to stay you've got to have the fortitude and the temperance to continue Mm. on your shift 
despite not being acknowledged for your shift, not even seen for your shift, and then also keep shifting yeah. and not just go, oh, it's not even worth it because I'm going to be this person. Man, yeah. man. And and if I can give you an example of how that's played out between us, um, mm. which is probably when I started to notice a real difference, it would be, for example, uh, she, she and I, you know, when, when we would relate and things would get hard, there would be shouting and yelling, you know, I would throw things at her. I would try to hit her, you know, and she would, she would be ready to punch me in the head. You know, we'd be, we'd be like, we would be ready to go, you know, it was like almost like a sister relationship, but you know, I was the mum and I didn't Mm. take responsibility for that role. Mm. And so there came a point where I recognised this cannot go on. I cannot behave like this anymore that, you know, I'm not honouring her and I'm not honouring myself and, Mm. you know, if I don't move this, we can't go anywhere from here. And so we were living in a house together. We've had a few periods of living together, living apart, living together, living apart. And we've been living in a house together and uh, over a, you know, quite short period I started really recognising, okay, I have to change something. And she, of course, because I would emotionally leave her throughout her life, so she had a real issue with abandonment. And I knew that and I know what that feels like because I have this wound myself. Mm. And she would, we would fight and some of the things, you know, and she, of course, she's my child and I'm her mum and we've spent so much time together so we know how to hurt each other, you know. When somebody's screaming at you or, mm. or you know, in the case of maybe I'm just not letting her have something that she wants, she knows exactly where to, where to push, push the mm-hmm. you know, or she at that time, you know, she would know, of course, she's smart, you know. And so she would not see for a long time that I was trying so hard to move to be a different kind of mum for her. She mm. couldn't see it. Mm. And so I would, I would move to, to try to have a conversation in a different way and she would hold me through her responses to me in this place of you're still this horrible woman and I can't get through to you and so I'm just going to attack you in the same ways that I did. And for a long time, I mean, for a long time, you know, no matter how much I wanted to move, that little broken bit of me would just go, and I just, Mm. you know, no matter all of the intention in me was like, Mm. do it better, do it differently, do it the way that you really Mm. want to do it. And I would just, snap and so I'd go straight back into what I was doing before and then she'd look at me and go see told you you're the same and you know for me far out it was like every time it happened it would just crush me because (sighs) I think you know you're doing it you you're getting there like I could see it and I could feel it and I knew what was needed and I want to be careful about saying this because I don't want to dishonor her process, you know, but she, she was so hurt. She couldn't let me change for a long time. Mm. 
she needed to see me in that light to be able to live with herself because it was either I I really believe it was either she could start to look at me in a different way and see me as being a woman that was actually a reasonable person but in 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 the place where she was if she did that then what she did was she abandoned herself you know and and as you say she couldn't then look at the little child in her that was so broken and hold that part of her safe and go my mum's a horrible bitch you know so it was these two options that she had and she couldn't configure that in her mind in a way that that allowed any resolution. So there was a long period where we were stuck in this, this trap. And uh, what shifted it, oh, and this is the thing that I see with parents of teenagers, and this is the thing that many a counsellor has said to me, and I've said, it's too hard. Mm. But the thing that shifted it, was that I started doing something different. So when we'd fight, knowing that she would feel abandoned and knowing that she would act out and knowing that potentially she would maybe self-harm, maybe she would, you know, do something that was very damaging to her, you know, there was always the possibility of, of something really terrifying happening because of a new choice that I was going to make. Mm. But the choice that I had to make was I either stayed in the situation and the same thing would keep playing out, that same pattern, or I made the decision to start saying to her, this is not okay anymore. I'm not going to continue to fight with you. I'm going to leave the house now. I'm going. And I'd just say that and I'd leave. And, you know, the theory is that's what you do. But when your heart is so involved, you know, I was mm-hmm, so attached mm-hmm, triggered. to this <laughs> yeah, and hooked. Yeah. there's a trap, man. And mm. I felt like I can't leave you because what if you do something that's so harming and damaging to you and I can't forgive myself, you know? And I just laced up my boots one day and went, this is what I'm going to do. And I did it. And, you know, 50 phone calls to my phone later or whatever it was, I don't know. And, uh, you know, I eventually calmed and gave her space to calm and came home. And it, it wasn't good, you know, when I turned up back home, it was the same story again. She she felt that I'd done something unforgivable by leaving. More abandoned, yeah. More abandoned. And then over time, over many months, many, many months, that was my strategy and I just kept doing it and I just kept doing it and I just had to trust, you know. The process. Yeah, and... And whatever is out there to hold her and and to keep her safe while I did what I needed to do as the adult, the, the 
to to slowly <laughs> um, blossoming. Blossoming adult, yeah, at forty something maybe. To mm. to you know that that as I was doing this work and and really what I was learning to do in that was learning to hold my emotions and learning to hold my pain and not to discharge that all over her so that mm. she had to hold not just what was for her but also what was mine. Mm. And so it became easier and easier. You know, it did it did get easier. And she did start to realise that, okay, mummy's not okay, mummy's going to go and I am going to be okay. She was okay eventually, you know, and now I guess we've kind of reached a point where we'll have a, a disagreement about something and, you know, we still get angry and I'll go, and then I'll I'll say you know this is too much I'm going or I'm hanging up now I'm I'm not I'm not doing this now we're not doing this and mm. I'll go and the response from her now is so different she now will go oh, fine and you know sometimes she'll hang up in my ear and go I, I'm not continuing this I'm just not you know mm. and so she's kind of getting what I'm what I've been modeling to her which is mm. it's too it's too heated it's too hard I need space and she she does she goes and she'll go out she'll go away and do something for a couple of hours I won't hear from her anymore mm. for a couple of hours and then she'll come back to me and go sorry I was a jerk or she'll come back to me and say you were really difficult before Maybe mm. she won't use those words. <laughs> She's a bit cheekier than that, you know, but she'll come back and she'll actually mm. have something really constructive to say and the conversation will go from there. Wow. Boundaries. Wow. Thank Boundaries. you for sharing tricks. Jesus, mate, the depth of your story. So I want to ask the question that I've been waiting to ask. Why now? How come we're having this conversation now after all this time? This is a journey you've been on for years. Mm. What's brought you to this place where you're willing and ready and poised and comfortable and prepared to share what's been going on? Why now? Uh, I think before it was too painful, before I felt... I was so unsure for all of this time as I've been going through this process with Ivy. I've felt so uncertain as to whether the damage that I had inflicted upon her as a kid and as a teenager was able to be repaired. I didn't have faith then that I had what it takes to be able to repair it. And I, you know, I was really concerned that we would have this relationship forever that was just defined by anger and rage, disappointment, grief. rage. Yeah. Yep. I really felt that I had abandoned her so many times 
um, that she may never forgive me. And I wasn't prepared to speak to it because I guess I kind of felt like, you know, at any moment it was so tenuous that I felt like at any moment this could all just fall apart and, you know, I could screw it up again or, you know, she could find some other thing that she hasn't forgiven me for and all of this could open back up again. So I didn't necessarily trust that we were in a place where it was safe for me to share. And, uh, you know, Ivy and I have reached this beautiful place um, where there's a, there's a real understanding now. And she's 22, you know, and when I was 22, I, I mean, you know, and my mum is a beautiful, loving woman, but when I was 22, I used to call her all the time and call her out on everything and I was always complaining and everything was her fault. And what I want to say about all of this trauma and difficulty and damage that's occurred between my daughter and I is that through this process, as hard as it's been, what exists now, and I feel a real solidity in this feeling, you know, it doesn't feel like it's fleeting. Mm. There's this understanding between the two of us, you know, and it's not just from mum down to child where I can look at her and go, gee, you know, I see these parts of you that are, are traumatised and that are very fragile and, you know, though I, I do see them and I try my best to hold them. But through this process for the two of us, from her to me, there's this love that, you know, I don't know if I've ever felt it from another being. She sees it and, and, you know, it feels gratuitous for me as a mum to be sitting here going, you know, she, I mean, she sees me. She sees my brokenness and she sees my flaws and she sees the hot mess that I am. Mm. <laughs> I was probably more than am, you know, and she, she, she knows it deeply in her body what a mess I have been and how I've projected that out onto everybody around me, especially her. Mm. And she, I know that the work I've done has been, I, I felt called to do it, you know. I, mm -hmm. I got to a point where there was, there was no other choice. I couldn't live with myself anymore. I could not live with myself as a person who had inflicted this much damage on my child. I couldn't do it. And she sees that, she knows it, and I feel like that might not be embedded as deeply now as the painful stuff, but I feel that she forgives me in a really meaningful way because she's seen how deep I will dig for her mm. and to feel this between us. And so what exists now is this 
you know, we, wow, we just embrace the mess that is and that has been and, you know, I look around at my, my friends with kids and her friends and their parents and, you know, I hear stories from clients and other other people with kids a similar age and I am so humbled by what exists between Ivy and I now. It's like it is extraordinary, really, the shift that's happened. So so it feels pretty safe to talk about. Thank you so much for sharing that, Sister Matt. Mm. So <clears throat> for those that are tuning in, I'm aware and I'm no... Trixie is as well, Tracy is as well, that what she's sharing is not light. And my question for you, Trix, is you know this is confronting. Not just for yourself, for you know, for us to tune into as well. And the courage that you're holding to be able to be so exposed and so vulnerable in your sharing, like even hats off sounds stupid to say, but do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, the courage that you're holding in there. Why are you sharing? Mm. What's your hope? Because mm. we're all a mess. Mm. We're, we're all a little bit broken or a lot. And uh, I think it's so easy to turn away from the mistakes that we've made. Mm and the pain that we've caused other people. And it's so easy to cut people out of our lives. Well, that's not true. It's not easy to do that either. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I see it. I mean, you see it. We've all seen it. We all know people who who choose that route. And, you know, I, I perhaps I haven't had the depth of of difficulty with someone in my life where that's been the only option, you know, or in this case it certainly wasn't. Um, but, you know, I also, I think we all have this potential inside of us to to face what's what feels insurmountable and what feels really hard, you know. We, we have it, like every single one of us, it's there. And, you know, whether we have support around us or not makes a big difference too. And, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I just feel like, you know, the, the thing that I guess feels, I guess the, the, the really important thing that I want to share is that my sense of it is it doesn't matter how far gone this problem is, you know, and it doesn't matter how much pain you've inflicted on another person if you're prepared to own it. It it can be healed. And, I mean, that may not look like the other person wants something to do with you, you know, for quite a long time. As I said, Ivy just, she pushed away all of my efforts to repair this and she was not up for it she just 
and you know it was it was hard for her and it was hard for me to honor that part of her that that was not prepared to forgive me for a long time but uh the important thing for me in that place became forgiving myself and i knew that the only way that i was going to be able to do that was to continue on this path of looking for every opportunity and every piece of action that I could take, no matter how small that might be, to take responsibility for what I'd done and to show her, you know, even if it was from afar at times, to show her like, hey, you know, I'm not, the person I was before and sometimes I fall back into that but I'm going to pull myself back out and I'm going to keep going. Thank you so much for sharing, Sister Bam. Mm. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I don't even have the words really. I've got one last question, which has, it's a three-part question. So do I have one question or three? I'm not really sure. Um, yeah. I'd, um, let's start by part number one. So let's imagine Ivy's listening in um, to this episode. What would you like mm. to say to her? Mm. Ah. <laughs> you are just the brightest little spark of joy that exists in my life and I'm so glad you're here and you know I would want her to know that uh, I'm so grateful that she's found a space to forgive me for um all the pain that I've that I've caused her and I'm my hope for her is that she is able to carry the torch of what she and I've created through our relationship and just shine it on everybody that she comes in contact mm. with you know because she is just such a beautiful beacon of a human mm. yeah mm. thank you so much mm. Part two to the question, um, similar sort of energy. If your mother's listening into this episode, what would you say to her? Oh, that one's going to make me cry. Mm. Mm. Wow, yeah. Uh, I would tell her that I'm sorry for all the times that I blamed her for not loving me enough or for me feeling like I was a burden on her because, you know, I guess the pattern in our family has been for the women to tell the daughters that it's too hard, they're too hard. And it's, um, it's been a really painful thing to carry, to feel like I was too 
too big a burden for my mum. But having now been the mum and feeling exactly that, like this burden, it's, it's too hard. I can't carry this. I don't have space for this amongst my own pain. I guess uh, I would tell my mum that I, oh, I forgive her for any feelings that I've had that I've been too hard for her or been too much for her to carry and, and I see her struggle when I see what she was given to do the job and, uh, you know, I, I really honour that she has done the best job that she's been able to do and look what she made, Am, really. I mean, thanks, Mum. I love you. You did a good job. We did a good job. <laughs> Thanks, Sister Pam. Mm. And the last part of the three-part question, and by no means the least, is um, if your inner child was listening in to this episode, mm. what would you be saying to your inner child? Ah. Mm. <sighs> She's a bright little spark too. Mm. I'd tell her that she's magic. Mm. <sighs> and <laughs> that she's doing a good job. Well, mm. She should just keep going and that I've got her back. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot, wasn't it? <laughs> Truly mm. mm. was and truly is. Mm. Trixie, for those tuning in, Tracy Cop. <laughs> Sister Bear, thank you so mm. I, I don't have the words. The, the depth of which you show up, not just in this episode, but all the time, you know, and the vulnerability, the strength that you embody, the courage, you know, the willing to confront yourself and, you know, be comfortable in even the space you hold out, you know, and we're a very tight community that we're a part of you and I and being willing to call mm. like us out when we're not in our integrity as well. You know, it's, you're a total warrior and it's such an honour to have had mm. you here and to be, have May a platform for somewhere for you to be able to share something so deeply and so potently. Like, Inspired Evolution is blessed for having you here. Thank you so much for your time and uh, energy here today. Thank you, Amrit. But also, this conversation <sighs> is informed by so much work that you've put into yourself, your loved ones, your own heart, your own being. And I just want to take a moment to honour and acknowledge that. Thank you so much for all that that informs this conversation we got to have here today. And, yeah, on behalf of 
myself and the Inspired Evolution Tribe, our tribe. <laughs> I just want to thank you and wish you all the best, always. As you know, I'm always in your corner. <laughs> always no, you corner. are. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for um, having me. I've always got your back, Sister Bear. Love you so much, eh? <laughs> for those that are tuning in, um, thank you so much for tuning in. Always, always, always a pleasure to be in this space with you guys. Um, links to find out more about um, Tracy. She has a YouTube channel that's budding. We'll put the links to that in there. If you want to go meet her in person, Urban Alchemist, amazing place here in Melbourne. I know some of you are tuning in from all over the world, but if you are local to Melbourne, the Urban Alchemist is an incredible space. You can go get massages. You can go get your back crack. There's beautiful chiro work. And actually, most people that walk past don't even walk past wanting massages or things like that. They just want to buy flowers because <laughs> the place looks like a florist. It's such a little urban nook. It's a real getaway. It's an urban oasis. And it is just an extension of this beautiful sister's heart. Mm. Thank you so much for everything you do, Trix. Thank you. Thanks for listening in to another amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. If you're loving these episodes, make your way across to YouTube, click subscribe. Fresh episodes are launched every Monday with highlights being released throughout the week. Thank you so much. And hey guys, just so you know, a lot of love, heart, soul and work goes into these episodes. So if you could, please leave us a five-star review and comment on iTunes. I love reading your positive feedback. It fans the flames of the passion to continue to create and help you live the life that you love. Thank you so much for your wonderful feedback. I can't wait to see you again in the next episode. Big love from Amrit. And remember to stay inspired to evolve. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market